Hey everyone, welcome back to the Juicy Details. I'm Hillary Murray, your host, and today I have a wonderful guest, Jerry Miller, joining me. Hey, Jerry. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. So over the past uh, four weeks, five weeks here of January, I launched the, my first show the first week of January here with the I Love Seville Network. And um, that was really fun. I got to interview a great friend of mine, Emmy Award winning journalist, Jeff Tang. He taught us a lot about what we can do to find our best selves. And that really motivated me, that first conversation, to continue going with this podcast. That show was awesome. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. If you haven't seen it, it's available on thejuicydetails.com or wherever you can find your podcast. Uh, the second week, I had uh, Dana Lewis, who has her own podcast called Stop Faking Fine. How can we be the best versions of ourselves and stop just pretending everything's okay when it quite possibly is not? And uh, my third week... Skip something? No. No. Okay. My third week is. Um, was it Vanessa? No, it was Allison Williams. Oh, that's right. Of Place, and she talked to us about real communities where you actually talk to people and not your phone. Uh, and then last week I had the former. Um, I know. God. I had what? What's so funny? No, the former Miss New York. Yeah. Well, she that's is Miss New York 2008. Amazing. So you can't be former. Yeah. And she talked to us about being average, which she certainly wasn't. But it was a great conversation. And today, Jerry Miller is actually roles reversed. He's going to interview me so that you all can get more of the juicy details about who I am, I guess where I'm going, what's still left for me to accomplish, a lot. And uh, as always, Jerry, welcome. And we start the show with drinking our Lumi juice. Love you, mean it. This is exactly what the Washington Nationals do before they start matches. Let's cheers. Absolutely. Studio camera. Studio camera. Cheers. Thank Cheers. you. Thank Cheers. you for This coming. is amazing, by the way. Thanks for coming on board My today. pleasure. Mm. So turmeric, ginger. Oh, I love it. Good. I love it. Good. That's an I love the, uh, the, the spice punch. I really love this. It always, like, I always feel even more invigorated after this shot. I love the turmeric finish. Yeah, and turmeric is really good with to help with uh, inflammation, helps with brain activity, because a lot of times when we have foggy brain, it's because our brain might be swollen because of some of the crappy foods we're eating. So turmeric is a great way to help with being better at what do we do. Do you ever have foggy brain? I definitely have foggy brain. Do you? Yeah, I mean, you have kids. Don't, do you ever, ever have oh, foggy brain? On the regular. We, uh, my wife and I are just getting our sleeping back, which we feel... Um, blessed to after seven months of no sleeping but i'm so excited to unpack a day in the life of of hillary lewis murray how does how does the day start i mean i don't every day is different as okay. an entrepreneur so nothing is similar as some of you may not know i also have a travel work as a travel advisor a travel consultant and i have a company called scouted adventures okay. it's an affiliate of the local foreigner the uh -huh. local foreigner was started by some fabulous women and one of whom is a uva alum okay yeah i called um alex erdman eli she's she's awesome UVA. i just subscribed to the newsletter oh did you yeah, thank you i just got my first um edition of your newsletter the postcard from Rome? Yes. Yeah, it's I got good. That. I mean, hopefully it's good. I thought it was good. Jordy, who works with us, did it. I thought she did a fantastic job. Nice. So, how many businesses do you own? Uh, well, I have Lumi, I have oh. Scattered Adventures, I am a mom. Um, You're yeah. launching the Juicy Details brand? Yes, I'm launching the Juicy Details brand. I mean, I've, I, 
you know, I have a lot of different businesses and a lot of different days. Like on Sunday, I had six clients flying to Asia and the first leg of their trip was incredibly delayed, getting them to miss another part of the leg to Asia. And so my afternoon was figuring out a new flight path, you know? So I got them from Pittsburgh to Boston, Boston, Hong Kong, Hong Kong, Hanoi, Vietnam. Uh, so that, that was just something that happened on Sunday. You're yeah. a problem solver by nature. She puts out fires like many entrepreneurs do. When did you realize for the first time that you were destined for entrepreneurship? Oh my goodness. Well, that's a good question, Jerry. You must do this for a living. I do do this for a living. <laughs> uh, well, what, can you repeat it? Like, when did I think that I was destined for entrepreneurship? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that started from as a kid. I, as a child, I think destined, the whole idea of entrepreneurship was born with my birth, right? I uh, always found creative solutions, but I owe kind of the path to entrepreneurship to my dad and my grandmother and even my mom. All of them have had unique paths. And also like my historical family, like from Italy, when my great-grandparents migrated here, uh, they had developed the first tomato strainer, wine press, Panini, uh, not Panini, Pizzelle maker. Really? Yeah. So there's like, we have our, um, the Baraducci wine press is actually in the Smithsonian. So they started the Baraducci manufacturing company in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and um, sold it to Del Monte Foods in the, I think the 70s or 80s. I don't know the exact history. Probably should learn it. So they were iron ore workers in, in kind of a a region of Italy, and when they moved here, that's what they just started doing, is manufacturing different food processing items. So, like, the idea of entrepreneurship is something that, as you look at different generations of my family, they did. And um, I, my dad started his own company when he was 26. He sold his car to make payroll. Uh, he went to every sales call you, and busted his butt. And then my grandmother, Janet, uh, my mom's mom, she, my, my granddad died when, you know, my grandmother had three kids under the age of 10 and he had a construction company and she had to take it over and she, you know, just provide for her kids. And there wasn't like life insurance policies. He sure didn't have one. He just dropped dead at like 38 from a heart attack. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm 38, so let's... <laughs> That doesn't happen. Last week, 38, right? Or two weeks ago? January 20th, yeah. Okay. Inauguration day. So 38 years old, first 38 years of your life on this planet. Regrets of any kind? I don't think you can have regrets in life. If you, oh. Yeah. If you unpack live, that. Well, if you live in a, a life full of regret, you're, you're not learning from anything you do. Uh-huh. Right? So... I actually, in high school, wrote this, like, we did these autobiography memoirs, and I, one of my chapters is, like, or actually the title of the book was No Regrets. Like, you know, the door is never really closed. So even if you've done something, I believe, you know, either if you've done something awful, forgiveness, and then if it happens again, you move on and do something, you know, you hopefully you don't make the same mistake twice. Yeah. So that's why there's no regrets. Everything is learning. Everything is an opportunity to be better and keep growing. And so I don't know. I don't believe in regrets. How do you feel about regrets? Uh, same. I mean, I think there's a lot of similarities with both of us. And I think it's uh, similarities with, you know, entrepreneurs um, and risk takers in general. 
Um, you're a glass is half full type of person. I'm the same way. Um, we routinely have to solve problems and put out fires with the work that we do, the various businesses that we own. And as you get like better at figuring out these problems, like you said, before the show start, either in the bottom of the ninth inning, seventh inning, first inning, whatever it may be, you just start to get this like confidence in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you radiate that like, um, confidence and it's like this energy that people want to be around. Um, and that's one of the reasons where I was like, man, you would make a fantastic host of, of, uh, a show. Um, what, when I asked you to host your own show, like what was going through your mind? Was there any trepidation or fear? Were you like, let's effing go? I mean, what, what makes like my, my story interesting? What makes a show like the Juicy Details interesting? And that is a kind of a fearful step because I'm really great at believing in cheering others. I'm not really great at believing in cheering myself. Really? And I, yeah. And I think having your own podcast where you're the host, you kind of have to believe and cheer on yourself uh, to get buy-in for people to watch. So I'm not good at that. So this is definitely like me challenging a new space in my life that I'm not accustomed to. Uh, but the great thing about me being on this side is in most cases, I'm interviewing people who I genuinely think are incredibly cool and have done extraordinary things. And so for me, it gives me an opportunity to be that hype, that cheer squad. The pep squad. The pep squad the, yeah. for people that um, I care about and I love and I think are awesome. So this is for a place for them to tell their stories and how they got to where they are and where they're going and what's next for them. And I just think this is a really fun avenue to lift people up. Talk to us about Lumi. Um, I knew of the Lumi brand before you started the show on this network. Sure. I saw the Lumi brand actually next door at the Market Street Market. For those that don't know, that are watching out of town or out of market, our studio is right next to a fantastic locally and grocery store. And I saw her brand, Lumi stands for Love You Mean It, on the shelves there. And I got, um, I grew an affinity for the brand. Thanks. By purchasing there. Um, give us the flip book or the evolution of Lumi. I mean, the flip book and evolution of Lumi is like, we could spend, you know, that's one day I'm going to write a book, the, the juicy de- details, the real, the real stuff about business and, um, and just relationships, to be honest. So we could be here hours talking about Lumi. I mean, Lumi was something that my uh, friends at Penn State, we would say to each other, shout out to Megan Strobel, like she loved uh, she would always say, like, love you, mean it, stay young from Mean Girls because someone she babysat for would say that to her. And this show's on Wednesday. I guess I should start wearing pink on Wednesdays because that's what they did in Mean Girls. But, um, you know, the idea of this love you, mean it, Lumi was something we've always said to each other since, uh-huh. you know, I was 18. And uh, when I worked on the trading floor at Lehman Brothers and then Barclays Capital, everyone just knew me as Lumi because I would always be like, Lumi, 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 to like, you know, older managing directors, the CEO of the company, like wherever I was, I'd always just tell people Lumi. Like that was my sign off. That was what I said. People would just knew me as a Lumi girl because I had so much energy. Uh-huh. At like 6 a.m. I'd be at my desk and I'd be like, hey, like can't wait to do some trades today. Um, and I didn't know you worked at Lehman Brothers. I did. I worked at Lehman Brothers, yes. Did you love it? Did you hate it? Well, my first week on the desk is when, when Lehman Brothers went bankrupt. So it was quite the experience. It was a really humbling experience because 
and I've gotten sidetracked on the Lumi story, but we can talk about this too. Because um, I think this is part of the Lumi story, this experience. Well, I think my whole life, my whole life is a part of the Lumi story. You know, when I was five years old, you know, I said I want to be president of the United States. I had no idea what that was. And when I you know, be, was in Girl Scouts, I was always the number one Girl Scout salesperson. Um, it's Girl Scout season, guys. Get your Girl Scout cookies now. Love Thin Mints. Yeah, I, I like the, um, the shortbread ones. Okay. Yeah, the Thin Mints, I don't know. The mint flavor for me is not right. I love the Thin Mint finish. Uh, you, yeah. I can see you crushing Girl Scout sales. I can see you crushing just about everything you did. So I'm very curious to see how you went from Wall Street to entrepreneurship. And if you got jaded at all with Wall Street, which inspired the, the jump into the deep end that's called small business and launching a company. I mean, you get paid really well on Wall Street if you right. do your job well. And um, when Lehman went bankrupt, it was a humbling experience because you saw grown people whose like, life's worth went from hundreds of millions of dollars to literally nothing in a day. And that is petrifying. And um, I saw that, and it was like really scary. And then Barclays bank bought the equity side that I was on. And so I immediately had a job. Like I had a, you're fired from well, Lehman Brothers bankrupt. And then an offer letter from Barclays in my inbox because I was an analyst. I was like a lucky duck in the sense that my, I was cheap labor. Yeah, my you job, were cheap labor. Yeah, I had right. no idea what I was doing, but I was cheap labor. And um, it provided a wonderful opportunity for me because unfortunately it, it expensive, massive economic failure across our entire economy, but I was able to learn and really excel and grow different levels in the business. And so I got to go to London and work and work in the London office. And then I was going to move to the London office, but I jumped to a hedge fund called Avenue Capital Group. Uh, I decided to go work there. And the reason I decided to go work there is that I felt that I kind of learned what I needed to learn from the bank, which that was just a 22-year-old childish, 24-year-old, I guess I was, childish opinion. There was more to learn, but I kind of was like, oh, I've learned enough. I want to try the other side of finance. So I went to this hedge fund, Mark Lazary, you know, he has such a great story. He, um, you know, went to law school and then started he different things. He came from a lot of children. He was an immigrant. Uh, his parents were, and I think he was too. Sorry, I'm messing up your story, Mark. But great story how he came from not a lot of money and decided to start this distressed debt and restructuring firm and now is, you know, a billionaire. So you know, he was great. His story is inspiring. He's a really nice guy. I, I enjoyed working at Avenue Capital Group. But while I was there, and I remember. Mark was like, why are you leaving? I was like, well, I'm never going to make as much money working for you, Mark, as, I'll work, as I will of working for myself if I follow, if I can make something work. Did right. he understand? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So good luck. Sure he did. He right. said, I'll be here. I'll be here if you, if you want to come back. You have fans watching the program. I'll highlight a few of them for you. Um, Grant, is it Bacharach watching the program? John Lewis? Brad Turjan watching the program right now. I see four states, viewers from four different states on the feed right now. Talk to us about being a female in a male-dominated profession finance. I never had a problem in finance. Like I think everyone, uh, all the people I worked with treated me with respect and um, equality and were super awesome. And I have some of my best, like some of my best experience was but some of my best experiences in business were working with 
people in finance. Like uh, everyone at Barclays is great, Avenue Capital is great, Lehman Brothers was great. Um, some of my greatest mentors, supporters are people I met during that time in my life. And um, I never, I, I, the, the people, unfortunately, there were some women that I felt were not supportive of other women in, in my time on Wall Street, which really? was really shitty. Yeah, excuse yeah. my language, but like, there's all this talk about like women empowerment and women this and women equality, but like when women can't even support women, we got a real problem. And I felt like on Wall Street, what I ran into was more women that didn't support women. Yeah. When you leave uh, Wall Street to launch a company, was this before you pursued an MBA from Darden at UVA or while? Give us that flipbook. Yeah, so when I, um, when I was applying to business schools, I, I mean, I, you know, I actually, like, wrote UVA off my list because when I had come here to look at undergrad to Charlottesville, I was wor- walking along the lawn with my dad, and there was a person who may or may not been mentally confused uh but my dad asked him how he was doing he was in a rocking chair on the lawn the guy's like where are you from and my dad's like pittsburgh and the guy's like you damn yankee like start screaming at my dad i'm like there's no way i'm coming to charlottesville virginia if this is the mentality and attitude that's happening here and so i that was like you know in the early 2000s and so i kind of i wrote it off and um then I had a friend who was like, you should really look at UVA. Like, you want an experience where the business school is its own campus where you're not completely distracted by New York. Like, if I tried to go to Columbia or NYU, lost, I mean, business school, uh, I would never have immersed myself in the community. Like, I was already, like, new people. I mean, I would have, but I would have just been doing more of the same. You don't have the same community where it's like you become family at, at Darden. You know, your learning team is your family. Your, your section is your family. Your teachers are your family. Like, a lot of my favorite people and people I talk to for advice, like Yael is coming on the show. She's a Darden professor who has been my professor, and I've known her for many years. She's awesome. You uh, have fans giving you some props. Grammy Ward watching the program. Bill McChesney giving you some props. This question comes in the feed. When did Hillary graduate from Darden? What did she learn the most? And what was her support team saying about launching a business? So those are great questions. I think going back to the question about why I applied to business school, my whole philosophy, my reason in my application at Darden was, one, um, I wanted to start my own business. Two, I believed in the viability of U.S. manufacturing. And three, I want to be in public service of some sort. That was my three points for my essay at UVA. And, you know, I got in on that. And I've done manufacturing and viability of U.S. manufacturing because everything I do is made in America. And um, the public service element, I'm head of the Neighborhood Association. So there we go. Can I say where? Uh, Lewis Mountain Neighborhood. Lewis Mountain Neighborhood Association. Yes. Which is a prominent neighborhood in Charlottesville uh, proper, city limits. Um, the experience... Did you want me to answer these questions? Oh, yeah. 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 The yeah. experience at Darden um, shaped so much, I get the impression, of your life. Um, explain how it shaped your, your approach or your willingness to get into the entrepreneurship space. So as soon as I had gotten into Darden, I actually got an, I wrote my resignation, like a resignation email being like, not resignation, they knew I was leaving, but wrote an email to like all my contacts. And immediately I got a phone call from someone else in finance being like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to business school. And they're like, how much would it cost me 
to bring you here. And um, I said... In place of business school? Yeah, instead of business school. And so I was like, wow, this is a really attractive offer. And um, I actually had, you know, started to like pack my stuff and I was moving down to Charlottesville and I met with them and I seriously considered going back to New York and just taking this job because it was that good and, and all that glitters is not gold. And I decided, you know, I'm going to take a pause and just think about this. Is this really what I want to be doing for the rest of my life? Um, it was in finance. Yeah. Okay. And you know, probably would have been definitely financially more comfortable than being an entrepreneur, but I would have missed out on a lot of wonderful experiences that I've had, uh, including Darden. So did it shape so much of who I am? Um, I think anytime you have interactions with any person, it could be five minutes at a, a conversation at a coffee shop. My conversation with my boy in Whole Foods, the checkout guy. Uh, dude, this has had such yeah. an impact on you. I think this is the third time I've heard you tell this story. Because it's a great story. Tell this story again. Yeah, it is a great story. Yeah, and he, he's going to be on a Survivor, whatever the next season is. That, okay. So he's left Whole Foods. He's now going to be on Survivor. I just think like an interaction, a smile with someone, a hug, shaking hands, just like Asking someone how they are just makes such a big difference because maybe they're having like a horrible day. For sure. And you asking the question, hey, how are you? Like, you okay? That could just make someone, that could just turn someone's life around, I think. I do think minute a moment interaction can help someone just feel elevated. Yeah. And that's really important. I mean, I was at the the dog vet the other day and the woman looked really sad I asked her how she was doing and she just started sharing everything with me sometimes people just want to know you're genuinely asking how they are so I don't know I'm like kind of I'm a little, I'm a little crazy Lumi no you're not crazy you just have life uh, business in the pursuit of increasingly craziness there you uh, well you are the quintessential entrepreneur and that you see opportunity everywhere you have energy for days um, our biggest strength in some ways is our biggest weakness in that we do a lot of things yeah. really really well um, and because of that, we see opportunity. Um, I'm very curious of how you got this brand to market, Lumi, because this is a badass brand. Sure. Um, and it's a brand with, I would say, national, if not beyond, traction and awareness. Sure. Let's talk about how you brought it to market. So I think about entrepreneurs similarly, similarly to uh, athletes. Okay. Um, and I was an athlete, so I can say that, I think. Um, you know, you get into a zone. You have months you have to work harder, like the guys that are taking this week off for the Super Bowl, they're having a moment for recovery, and then they're going to, you know, they're going hard, and they have one last push. Okay. Go 49ers. Um, and with Lumi, I kind of just put my head down and started building a plan, and it was like, I'm training for the Olympics right now. No one's going to stop me. And... Um, I, I think you have to have unres- like resilience that is un- like non-relenting. Unrelenting, I think is the word. Uh-huh. Unrelenting resilience. There is no chance in the world that you can let small things like your website not working right, um, your machine breaking, your electricity not being there that you need. Your supply chain not being as reliable as you would like <sighs> Goodness, it to be. That's like my biggest pain point, my supply chain. I know I need like a, I need like a million and a half dollar investment to build a factory again. So anyone out there, call me. <laughs> Points on the package? Equity being offered? <laughs> I mean, for the right investment, I'm here for all of it. To be determined, all negotiable. Yes, exactly. All negotiable. Yeah, I'm always open for a negotiation. Um, Would you know you had a, a potential home run? 
And did you have an aha moment? Well, I built, the, I was, I built my, I was the first integrated juice manufacturing facility that also did high pressure processing under the same roof. And I was in my twenties. Um, you know, there's still people that are not figuring that out and have been doing this business for years. So there were a lot of people that were like, this is crazy. You shouldn't do this. I had my best business performance when I owned my own factory and everything was fully integrated. Product quality was the best. Reliability was the best. You know, I, I, everything was the best. Margins were the best. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, margins were, were good, but you know, I was more so reinvesting everything back into the business and still am. So yes, but I think I built everything by, I had a lot of support along the way in the sense of business school, that, that, that question that that person had asked, I, you know, my friend Monty Jones, he, you know, was in, in the military. He though had like an engineering CAD background. So like he helped me figure out how to lay out the CAD or, but it wasn't, it was just like in a PDF, but still he showed me what to do. And then I submitted that. That was part of my plans. He also helped me, his brother dealt in used food equipment. So like Monty and his brother, they got me this like walk-in refrigerator that was from an old grocery store in Texas that was on discount that I got. And, you know, they drove it up from Texas and they installed it here in Charlottesville and Woolen Mills. And so if you go over there now, um, there is a, a beer supplier there that supplies ingredients to breweries across the country. And the walk-in's still there. He's using it to this day. And so I sometimes will just go over there and say, hey, what's up? And thanks for seeing me. And, and see what I had built because it you know, it was really cool, but you, I think celebrating your wins is really important. I never, ever took the chance to say, like, wow, this is awesome. Like, holy heck, I built this. Um, and I built this, though, with, it, like, with people that were supportive along the way. Like, Savannah, she was one of my first employees. She was fantastic at wordsmithing and, like, um, you know, just a hard, such a hard worker. So thank you, Savannah. You know, there was a lot of these, like, a lot of interns that came and helped me. I mean, every day was just, like, a fun adventure but there were some days that were like horrible. I can't make payroll. <laughs> like, I'm going to cry. Would you have done things differently? Oh, my gosh. I would have done everything differently. For example, what? Uh, but no regrets, right? So, uh, I think doing things differently is different than having regrets. Sure. It's just learning from past processes, which yeah. is what makes a good businesswoman. Having regrets is, is, is a different category. I would have raised the money I needed from day one instead of constantly raising and you know with my first two investors they promised a certain amount they ended up having a disagreement among each other and they didn't put in the amount that they said and so the foundation of enthusiasm is exponentially great to infinity my 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 enthusiasm at launch at launch and yeah. now like i believe in lumi so unequivocally like i believe it changes people's lives it helps them be healthier like I have these great stories of how it's changed people's lives and you know and and I feel like the one thing I can do really well is sell all the other pieces like I had to do make product a ton so I was spending 100 hours a week most of it was making product um, so raising the amount of money that I really needed to have a factory and then to have the right leadership team um head of operations, a maintenance person for the high pressure processing machine, uh, you know, someone to manage the, 
the staff that was helping to make the juice. Like, I was kind of doing all these things because we were underfunded, and it's just all continuously playing catch up from it, um, which is not a sustainable way to run a business at all. What is the, uh, is there an exit strategy? I mean, I gotta, yeah, I gotta get my revenue, I would need to get revenue back up to have an exit strategy, right? So, yeah. um, who knows? Who knows? I mean, make, you know, I don't know what the exit strategy is at this point. That's a good question. I gotta figure it out. We can brainstorm if anyone has any suggestions. Because the upside of the category is significant for those that can exit to big players. Exactly. Exactly. And there's been a few people who have had great exits early on and, um, a lot of them aren't around anymore. Right. Right? So you have a... Because the big player essentially just dissolved it into their portfolio product. Well, exactly. But also cold-pressed juice is incredibly expensive to make. So your margins are not wonderful because organic... We're organic. So organic produce, aside from we're selling to these really elite athletes, like they're, they're paying the price because they understand the benefit of it. And... You know, you see people pay pr- high prices for, like, cannabis and, like, this is a hangover shot that's going to help you feel better. And it's like, okay, well, Lumi is a hangover shot that you could have every single day that's always going to make you feel better and help you with, like, instead of taking a multivitamin that you're spending 60 bucks for, you know, you know, 60 divided by 5, how many Luminis is that? Yeah, so, you know, I got to work on my branding and marketing to sell it. At the I, th- price I think the I branding to. and marketing are excellent. Thank you. Um, I sincerely mean that. What I found, and I, I get the benefit of interviewing a lot of fantastic entrepreneurs all the time, is there's always a great support team behind the entrepreneur. Tell us about your support team. Oh, well, I mean, I, I have a lot of great support teams. Everyone from my family to uh, cheerleaders. Unfortunately, like one of my greatest support persons that was an investor in Lumi, unfortunately passed away last year. He was also an adjunct professor at Darden, um, but he always like shot it to me straight and, you know, encouraged me and then told me what to do. But, you know, I have, you know, Lumi, Lumi's accountant is a, is a person that is great. Uh, I think I, I have a very strong support person. Is there one person that, um, you know, Brandon Wilson's been working with me for since 2000. 17, I think, and um, he's, you know, he's still around helping out, and he's been a great support person because, you know, he's a great cheerleader, always telling me, we got this, we're going to figure it out. The coaches that buy Lumi from me, they're their support system, right? They they tell me how annoyed they are with product supply chain screws up, but, like, they're, the fact that they're cheerleading me on and continuing to purchase from me is really a thank you for that. Um, when I've helped people with their businesses and they call me saying thank you because it's off the ground and in action, like that's always a rewarding moment of, oh, this is really great. When I see it on SportsCenter, um, watch a hockey game and see it on the back like of the shelf, I'm like, oh, man, that's cool. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm like, that's cool. And like, uh, you know, thanks because I know that thanks to the players that are doing that, right? Like technically they shouldn't have it up there. So I'm like, that's so cool. How do you navigate uh, being a businesswoman with family life? She's mom. Is it a mom of two? Yep. Mom of two. Yeah. Uh, your husband an entrepreneur. Yep. How do you navigate that? Uh, we have like he and I have weekly. Uh, like I help an hour with his business. He helps an hour an hour a week with my business, um, where we like strategize and talk out loud about stuff um, and how we can make things better or different. And, and I don't let things bother me. <laughs> Stress bother me. What are you writing notes? No, I'm. You got comments coming in. Olivia Branch is watching in Keswick, and Keswick Hall, and she says she's a Shiro. Oh, thank you, Olivia. 
such a kind, so kind of words. Um, but you know, I, I I'm responding to your fans. Oh, thanks. In, yeah. real, in real time. In real I'm time. Uh, well, I'm speaking to them out loud in real time. That's right. Thanks for watching. Uh, I don't know. I don't let anything bother me. Like when there is a setback, I don't let it. Like I don't need to go get a drink because I'm pissed, right? Because I struggle. I, the reason I ask this question is because I struggle with it. Yeah. Um, you know, be doing what we do um, is almost consuming. Um, at least it is for me. Yeah. And it can be consuming in a healthy way, often healthy from a business standpoint, but consuming from an unhealthy way. And that even if I'm not in the office or at my desk, I'm like yeah. thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, which might not make me necessarily in the moment with my boys and my wife. So that's why I was asking you sincerely for like advice yeah. and perspective, almost like therapy from a business standpoint, yeah. like how you manage that. Like one of my friends told me this before he walks into his house every day. He's yeah. a serial entrepreneur, has yeah. three brands. Before he walks into his house every day, he's got a small tree next to his house. He touches the branches of the tree before he walks in the door every time. And that simple touch of the branches before he walks into the door is a reminder for him to leave work on the tree limbs when he walks into the house. Interesting. Outside the door. That's fun. Yeah, that's, he just, uh, it's just like a, a habit for him. Well, I mean, that, I mean, Jeff Tang, who was episode one, everyone go watch it. Yeah, uh, the juicy details. Yeah, he talks about, um, yeah. he leaves his phone off, you know, from like five to the kids go in bed, doesn't answer anything. And I wouldn't say I'm there, but, you know, bedtime, I would like to say is bedtime. And I read books and stories to them. I think being present for your children is incredibly important, but your children also want to see that you're motivated and can do things and are setting an example of leadership, positive attitudes and actions. And being an entrepreneur without getting upset by things that could cause you to go off the wall, I think is really important. Do you... Um... Do you want to do things differently moving forward? I mean, you have, I mean, you basically, she has three businesses here. She's got Scouted Adventures, she's got Lumi, and she's launching this content machine, the Juicy Details, which I'm frankly extremely excited about because in 2024, content is currency. And she can use this content machine to promote her other two businesses. I hope I'm not letting the cat out of the bag here. She has political aspirations. Sure, yep. Um, and one way to, achieve political aspirations is to have a personal brand that's known. Sure. Right? Yes, yes. And creating content is a way to get your personal brand known. Yes, I'm really bad at creating content. Um, but you're good at it. I don't see it. I don't understand that. When you've said that to me before, like yeah. you're bad at creating, I don't get it. Well, I think, I think, cause like, I think of content creation these days as like, it's not just Instagram's typing. voting, like my, the, the scouted adventure in local foreigner postcard, right? Like we're working together to create that marketing. I can write something really well. Uh, I just am not, you know, taking the time to do all that stuff. It's a lot of work. That's and why so I think I, this form is perfect for yeah, you. Yeah, because I can just talk and don't You'd be yourself. I don't have to prepare. You'd be yourself. Yes. Yes. So ask me any question. Well, what is, why get into the political space? Because I believe currently the people that are creating our policy, a lot of them are really fantastic and it's so much hard work, but I believe in the viability of a, of a United States where we can be the best that we were. I mean, we were the largest, we were the country everyone turned to, to as a source of inspiration, um, as a source of leadership and um 
You don't think that's the case anymore? I, I don't think that's the case. All of our taxpaying dollars are going to other countries, and we have, like, serious issues here. I mean, look at the fentanyl crisis, um, homelessness, uh, and mental health is just, like, extraordinarily horrible in this country. And it is just – it's so sad to see. And, and, you, and people are taking their U.S. passport for granted. Everyone's like, oh, I'm going to leave the country if Donald Trump's president. You know, other half, I'm leaving if Biden's president. And so you don't – understand how lucky you are to have a United States passport. People from Cuba, they can't leave their country. They can't get crayons at the supermarket for their children to draw. Um, you know, we can go to like 189 different countries, maybe it is, without having to go through a process of visas, right? Or like a visa process is easy. It's like an e-visa that takes 10 minutes. Um, I, people ta are taking that for granted, and I believe that we can change America. We can work hard for America, and I want to be able to do that. What's it say? To make the future better for our children. What's it say that the 2024 presidential ticket is probably Joe Biden and Donald Trump? I mean, we got two caricatures. I mean, I'm never going to speak poorly of any president of the United okay. States. I don't, I don't think that, you know, I, th I think that everyone has their own opinion, and definitely people are speaking poorly of both the presidents. I think if you have obtained the office of presidency, you have earned the majority of people's respect. And as president, I can't imagine that job is easy. It's just like being the mayor of the city of Charlottesville, right? Everyone is getting you know, slack for whatever they're doing. Um, but if you have become and you've achieved the highest office in the United States of America, you can't, you can't, you shouldn't be talking poorly about them ever. So, you know, I admire, I admire the fact they got there. Do I admire all their policies? Absolutely not. What if I reframe the question, what's it say of voters? I think a lot of America doesn't vote. I think a lot of America doesn't vote. And if you go out on election day, you'll see some of the parties giving free phones out to people to go vote the way they want them to vote and register them there on the spot, which is horrible, horrible. But everybody needs to go vote. I mean, I know, you know, my, my cousin, she's my my cousin-in-law, but she's my cousin. I, I love her. And she's never voted. I'm like, you are in your late 30s and have never used your civic right to vote. A lot of people don't think their vote counts. I mean, there are some elections where it's been a thousand vote difference. Okay, there's definitely a thousand people who think their vote doesn't count. There's hundreds of thousands of people who think their vote doesn't count until we can encourage people to actually, like, that. we're so lucky we can vote. Think about it. Your family's Cuban. Can't vote. No. Can't vote. Or they have elections. Are they real? I mean, but are our elections real? That's a real question people are asking right now. I'll throw this to you. Um, and viewers and listeners are offering commentary. They're like, like oh you're, you're, you're really getting props here. Haley, uh, is it Gyroy giving you some props right now? This comment's coming from Jennifer, who's watching in Charlesville. She goes, I find Hillary inspiring, and I've enjoyed her show. I caught the last episode. Please ask her how she met her husband. Oh, fun. Dozy Uzama is watching. Dozy A. is watching the program right now. He's my favorite. He went to high school with me. Is he asking questions? No. Okay. Somebody, somebody else just asked, how did you guys meet? Yeah, we, uh, we met at a bar in, um, in Key Biscayne, Florida. I was supposed to sell my uh, company to the former CEO of McDonald's. Lumi? Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Tell well, us that story. And the deal fell through. Okay. Um, so I was in all fresh markets in the United States. And then Fresh Market got bought by Apollo, which is a private equity fund. Apollo restructured all of their um, refrigerated 
uh, cold shelfing and they wanted me to pay like a ton of money to get back on the shelf and I didn't have it. And so because I lost the fresh market, uh, the deal with the former CEO of McDonald's fell through. So it didn't go through. And I was pretty devastated. I was in Miami for the Tone It Up retreat. The Tone It Up girls were like this fantastic workout. They would do the morning booty call, which like was just about workout in the morning. It was pretty, it was pretty great branding and a good name. And um, they were supporters of Lumi. We had Lumi at their retreat in, uh, at the Ritz-Carlton and uh, Key Biscayne, Florida. It's still there. I can send you there. Hit me up on my website. Scouted Adventures. Yes. And um, there's other hotels, though, like love different hotels there in Miami as well that I can send you to. But um, I was there. The conference was there. And uh, my husband was working for... He, he was part of Theragun, and Theragun was there, and uh, was one of the main founders of that with Dr. Jason, who was the main founder, but Matthew met Dr. Jason and introduced him to Ben Nazarian. Ben Nazarian's all the money behind Theragun, whatever. That's Matthew was there. I went to the bar because it started raining, and I was upset about the deal, and I was like, I'm just, I, I said earlier I don't drink when I'm upset, but I was in Florida on the beach, and I felt like I needed a margarita. And you just lost a deal. And I just lost a deal. Yeah. So, I mean, I was just like more... Pretty I natural, felt, yeah. I felt defeated. I didn't feel like... Um, but I said I was going to pick myself up, but I was going to have a margarita and just try to enjoy the retreat because I wasn't going to go work out with 500 women. I just was going to go have a margarita. Seems um, reasonable. Yeah, and he was at the bar, and that's how we met. We met at the bar. Just like a normal... Put my phone away, you meet at the bar. There's lots of people that meet at the bar. Ginny Hu watching the program right now. Uh, and she says, I find uh, that with most female entrepreneurs, and yes, female can be used as an adjective, Judah. She's referencing you there. We are uh, great at cheering that. on others, yet rarely give ourselves enough credit. She loves your perspective on not taking the U.S. passport for granted. And another thing she loves about you, I bet my husband at a bar as well. Uh, she, she leaves that commentary on Twitter right now. This is coming in um, from Laura, who's watching the program. Was the deal that fell through with the McDonald's executive her low point professionally, and how did she respond? Oh, I mean, that's a great question. It wasn't my low point. Um, I, you know, I've had many peaks and troughs, and, you know, when I, I remember my first one, and I called my dad crying, and I never cried. <laughs> called him crying and said I feel like I'm gonna die like not and I think I said this in the first show with Jeff not because I'm gonna kill myself but I felt like I was gonna die because like the stress and like the anxiety of not being able to make payroll not being able to know what was next overwhelmed me and um he just said there's peaks and troughs in entrepreneurship and the ones who are successful are the ones who make it through who make it through those peaks, who persevere who persevere it's and, great advice take themselves up and make it through the peaks and troughs because uh, not every day is going to be a great day. I think every day is a great day that you're above ground, but not every day is going to be ending with like the outcome that you wanted, but you can take the next step to get closer to that outcome. That's great advice. Um, I hate to reference as a UVA guy, Virginia Tech, but Frank okay. Beamer once said that the uh, great days are never as great as you think they are, and the bad days are never as bad as you think they are. It's about persevering and moving forward every day, mm -hmm. uh, which is synonymous with what your dad, the advice that he offered you. Um, you have this um, like abundance of energy. Um, how do you navigate that abundance of energy when it comes to and this is another advice question that I'm asking, sure. maybe selfishly for myself. 
when it comes to those around you that just want maybe some zen or some down or some chill time? Oh, I mean, I definitely, my, my over-enthusiasm for life can definitely uh, make those that do not want to have a cheer squad be hyper in your face all the time, um, less excited to be around me. I'm, I'm self-aware. Self-awareness is the first step. So I struggle with this. Yeah. Okay, I struggle with this. So okay. I'm sincerely asking this question. I mean, like, when I was student body president at Penn State, that's 42,000 people that I was, I got elected president to be. Can I highlight that again? She was the student body president at Penn State. Yeah, at Penn State University. 42,000 students, and she was the president. Yes, and there were definitely some people that were, like, um, incredibly organized, incredibly, uh, they were they're extraordinary humans, and they did a lot of things well, but they were, I'm kind of, I, I need to be better if I'm really going to run for office and not just saying whatever I want to say that comes to my mind. I need to think and then speak. And that, as someone who struggles with ADHD, dyslexia, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs have these characteristics of ADD, ADHD, dyslexia, um, that's something that takes a while to work on. And so I know people w- were not always happy with me because I just would speak out of turn. Even in my section at Dart, I remember one kid was like, Hillary can't speak out of turn. I'm like, I don't do it all the time. Just do it sometimes. But you got to be respectful of others' feelings, and not everybody wants our enthusiasm all the time. But you got to be you, Jerry. This is what um, I, one of my biggest struggles is what you talked about right there, is the self-aware piece of managing being yourself while also being self-aware of those around you. Um, So I appreciate your perspective on that. How about locally here in Charlottesville? Um, I've seen you speak before city council meetings. Sure. City council's local government here. Yeah. She's the president. The chairperson. The chairperson of her neighborhood association. Yeah. Um, she is actively involved in the business community and has a pretty impressive uh, network of contacts, which I think you're going to see in the juicy details yeah. for podcasts. Um, talk to us about this community. How long have you been here? What it means to you? I think you make anywhere you go, hopefully, a community by making friends and being willing to talk to everybody. Yeah, you know, I never finished that, the Whole food stories, but, you know, making friends, even in the grocery store. Uh, what does this community mean to me? I mean, this community has helped me build a manufacturing facility. This community has helped me build a family. Um, this community and homes, right? I was also on, when I was in Belmont, Carleton neighborhood, I, I worked with that neighborhood association. I wasn't in an elected position there, but would go to those meetings. I uh, lived in that, that spot. I mean, community, this is like goes back to the episode with Allison Williams on the juicy details that you can go watch. Uh, community is, is finding places where you're interacting with others and being present. Did that answer your question? Well, I think it absolutely did. Last question for you. Go ahead. You ready for this? I'm scared. What, um, how do you think, and I wonder this myself, how do you think your kids see you? How do my kids, how do you think my kids see yeah. you? Oh, man. Well, like, I, if you were, if you were on the wall or, or, or hiding behind a partition and you're hearing your kids, you have, is it a son and a daughter? Yeah. You have a son and a daughter. Yeah. And they're talking about mom and describing what mom does or who mom is. What would they say? Oh, man, I don't know. I, I guess I've, I've heard them say sometimes. I mean, they're, they're really proud of me. I mean, they, uh, they 
they've seen me on QVC live, right? And they're like, mom's on television. This is so cool. You know, mom, you know, you're so cool, mom. And then they'll tell me that um, they get really excited about seeing Lumi juice. That's mom's juice. And so when they try other stuff, they're like, oh, this is not good. You know, they love the Lumi juice. And that, you know, I think they, I encourage them and I make them feel confident in whatever they're doing. So... I don't know. That's the and that I love them. They know I love them. So was that close to some emotion there? Were you getting a no? Um, no? no, you were not. No, I was just thinking about everything. What is the uh, Hillary Murray legacy? Were well, we writing my obituary here? No, I'm just curious. <laughs> um, I think I'm always striving to make wherever I go a more positive place, and whoever I interact with, I want to make sure that I have them be happy when I'm around them versus sad. Like I want to lift people up. So my legacy is lifting others up. and um, I think that's a great legacy. Yeah, that's what I want to do. I just want to be known for just being a constant cheerleader and helping people uh, achieve the best versions of themselves. It's so funny that you said this, and this is a perfect close. Every night before bed with our kindergartner, I say to our son, and I'm going to say it to our 14-month-old as well, once he can understand. obviously understand, um, I love you, I'm proud of you, and be the best version of yourself. Yep. Like, I, that's what I want from him every day, to know that we love him and we're proud of him and that we want to encourage him to be the best version of himself. And, like, a lot of the language and terminology and mindset that you have is something that I think others um, would benefit from. So I'm excited to see, like, your emergence and your, like, blossoming and growth as, like, um, a content creator, a podcaster, a businesswoman, uh, you know, wife, mom, I think you're going to be a kick-ass um, politician and, and whatever you choose to do. I feel like winning follows you around. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I've not always won. Well, I, I, I see it. I mean, Thanks, I, Jerry. I truly, truly mean that. I, what, pay, I pay him, by the way, guys. What close with this? <laughs> what can we expect from the juicy details moving forward? And you've got to give the out here because you're in the oh, number yeah, yeah, one Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, what can we expect? Why, we can expect all sorts of things. I mean, I think the categories from business to politics to positive mental attitude. PMA, that's like one of my strong suits. Like, how do you have positive mental attitude? And just really fantastic people that are changing the world. And maybe it's not someone famous like Sarah Blakely or uh, Elon Musk. But small things, small steps change the world. And a lot of people are doing amazing things that their story needs to be told. And the Juicy Details is going to tell it for them and with them. So I'm excited about that. Juicy details, guys. Yeah. Anywhere I, you get your podcasting content. Yes, and next week, I just want to make a note, we'll be going live at 2.15 on Monday, February 5th, versus Wednesday, February 7th. So we hope you tune in on Monday to the Juicy Details. And Jerry, thanks for hosting me. Love you, mean it, guys. I love it. Thank you, Judah. And Hillary just crushed it. So long, everybody, and thank you for joining us. Bye. Hey, that was awesome. Did we already cut off? No.